The Vicar's Wife by Echo Fane Read by Siobhan Galachon for Echo's 40th birthday <laughs> It was when Horrocks and Yuan died that we discovered just how bad the loneliness was for each of us. Uh, I think we went a little crazy after the bodies were brought up out of that pit, and we, the survivors, drank ourselves sick on mule moonshine. We had to be loony and half-blind drunk to think it was a good idea, something doable. <laughs> I say we weren't thinking straight, because the whole thing even sounds unlikely, you know. Uh, four trans-Neptunian miners and one bride? How does that make sense? How could four of us own the same bride? Wasn't there something in the catalogue that said the optimal ratio was one to one? I knew I'd never get another chance, not as long as I'd live on this cold rock, and never as an employee of the intergalactic Poncahontis Fuel Consortium. They're cheaper than the picks and shovels, the continuous miners. Even a canary bog costs more than humans who work the seam here. We're easy to replace, see? There's a line of poor dumb kids behind me waiting for this job. That's what the news data chips say, well, when we can get them. You see, yeah, sit down. There are accidents and there are accidents. When a crew at the pit has an accident, lives are on the line. It's usually equipment related because the crap the company gives us to work with has to be some of the most antiquated stuff available this side of Jupiter. <laughs> it's so old it's practically coprolite. No wonder so many of us get killed in the first couple of years of a contract like this one. They drop us here under this biodome with the machines and the supplies. And the only real instructions we get are rules like uh, use exofulgol in second shower. And information like pay packets will be made available on your funds account after the company store has deducted for all reported balances owed. The rules are actually good ones. Using exofel gel, you know, it's vital to the continued health of a miner on any job or firth. You see, it's not enough to just slap a biodome down on the surface of these planetoids. No, 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 no. You know, pump them full of tech and air. <laughs> Humans come from Earth, see? Earth. Bare skin contact with the soil of alien worlds sometimes has a nasty effect or two. It might take decades to kill you. An off-world miner is a desperate soul who's got nothing left to lose when he signs that contract. Uh, sorry, what about my crew? Oh, right, all right, yeah, I'll get to them in a minute. Look, they're dead. No point in hurrying me when they're all dead, is there? No, speak up, darling, I don't think the gentleman heard you. Oh, sorry, yeah, she's like that, uh, more tea? Alright, more tea then. <laughs> anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, information. Information's handy too, you see. A miner's pay packet, or what's left of it after the company store takes their share, heartless bastards, is what the family lives on for a month. It, it's an unforgiving system. Uh, but I ain't a socialist. I know my union lads by face, and I'll tell you one damn thing. A miner's family can't live on dusty air, an old man Mackie's store credit. Me, on the other hand, I had my savings. 
Folks back home don't have any idea what this job does to the men and women who work the seams of every mining world and the two star systems. Some of these places are just not the town to raise your kids, but there we are. Human race. There were six of us sharing this bunkhouse when it began. This bunkhouse. Uh-huh. We shared stories about home, about the husbands and wives we left behind, all the sweethearts, depending. We never talked about the loneliness, and maybe that should be a rule for the company to post on the bunkhouse wall, along with all their other regulations. We read books to each other, off the cyberpad, off yellowed papered pages. Sometimes we talked about what we'd like to buy with our savings, which always turned into a drinking game, believe me. We danced together to music when the mood struck us. We had teams for chess and teams for bowling. We bowled in this room, sir, yeah, uh, from one end to the other, yeah, uh, using those giant ball bearings over there, off the cutter loader. <laughs> and our bets consisted mostly of food and exofold gel. You see, we didn't figure on the loneliness. There's a loneliness in being one of six in a bunkhouse, so far from the home world and so far from family. If you have family to leave behind, that is... Oh, uh, no. No, I didn't, no. Uh, there was nobody for me to leave behind, and even if there was, they'd probably be all dead by now. Everybody knows that. It takes 50 years to get here, cry all the way. <laughs> Imagine being among that first bunch coming along. <laughs> 13 decades in the fastest ship back then. You can talk about family together, but when the lights go out and the night crawls in under the door like a methane fog... And dark gets heavy, and you miss everything alone in the noisy quiet of your bed. Sometimes you push the monks together just to have someone lying near. Huh? There's a comfort in that. You don't look at me like that. There is a comfort. Horrocks and you were a couple, you know. Got hitched that first year. Their bunks were strapped together to keep them from sliding apart, even during earthquakes. <laughs> they did everything together up to the end. You know, they died together in the pit under a ton of rock which fractured. Slipped his point anchor bolts. Crashed down on the tunnel we dug off shaft 29. You know, when we pulled the bodies out, we found a new bed of fossils. The bolts hadn't failed. The ground we were securing was too friable to hold its own load once we started cutting. The company's archaeologists say the fossils were unusually intact for this pit. Horrocks and Ewan were mentioned in the week's geology report on the Sub-Ether radio. So that's okay, I suppose. Hmm. It was after, when the four of us were sitting around the bunkhouse, drinking meals and pretending that we didn't want to cry at the futility of life on this rock. Someone? Pal, maybe? Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, he mentioned being lonely. Mentioned his savings. Mentioned what Oryx had told him about what you could order from the company store's off-world catalogue if you saved up enough money. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you can look it up. Yeah, uh, Oryx and Ewan. Well, Oryx and Ewan married for three years. They well, they've been saving up to buy a son. It seemed like a strange idea, but according to Pell, maybe it was. Really, Woolsworth, who said this? Hang on. Uh, oh, no. Anyway, two people could save up enough money to buy a good android. 
Horrocks and Ewan had decided it was time to be parents and they were willing to fill that void with a machine that would never age but which could learn over time to behave more human, you know, as it filled its memory banks with data about the humans it was programmed for. Even going to spring for a bioshell coating to make the thing look like a real person and a face that looked like a mix of their own features. Dear God. They were going to do it to bring some emotional protection against the loneliness that struck even the marrieds. We all agreed that would have been interesting, you know, having a kid around, even one made out of gears, secretary and positronic brain. It would have alleviated a lot of loneliness for the entire bunkhouse. The jar of nutmeg-spiced mule tipped over four nulliscate glasses and gave each of us a tongue to speculate with, if you know what I mean. If our dearly departed crewmates and friends could do something like that, what else was available? Hang on. Yeah. It was definitely Pally broke the security bar on Horrocks' footlocker. <laughs> and he found the catalogue. You don't really know anybody, my dad says. You can know what they present, and you can know what they unconsciously let show. But there's a part of everyone's mind and soul that's beyond the knowing. It's a diamond buried deep, and we can't find words for its expression. It's how it goes unsung. By this time, I was starting to think Powell might have had something to do with what happened to Horrocks and Yuan. I don't know why the thought occurred to me, but it was odd that night. Oh, God. More tea. She'll keep asking until you answer. Sorry about that. Her off switch is stuck. <laughs> Came that way. The catalogue. Right, all right, yeah, the catalogue. It was one issued by the Intergalactic Pocahontas Fuel Consortium for its company store stations. A wish list sort of thing, really, full of all the luxuries available to both the frugal and the poshies. It even had a green stamps programme. We found Ewan's stamp books. Between the two of them, Ewan and Horrocks had managed to fill a hundred of the things tiny plastic slips with a holographic number glued into place all those ones and tens and fifties right now according to the catalogue the sun cost a what, hundred green stamp books and fifty thousand credits if they'd lived another year our married couple would have become what proud parents of their very own android child age six yeah. it would have taken another year to get the delivery but let me tell you and you know it's true just look at me, look at her. A year ain't so long to wait for love. With a head full of mule, everything seems clear, even as it muddies. <laughs> we left the catalogue and the stamp books on the table, and one by one we cried ourselves to sleep in the loneliness. By morning, all four of us had come to a conclusion, and I think it was Hatfield who actually said the words pouring coffee synth as we crawled into our bank clothes and boots. We could go in together as a bunkhouse and buy an android. There you go. One that could do housework and play chess for those evenings when no one wanted to lose to Woolsworth twice in a row. <laughs> we were all of a mind to know that we weren't ever leaving this rock alive, and so we were likely to spend the rest of our lives together. Woolsworth said housekeeper, Hatfield suggested mother... It was me and Pal who said we ought to buy ourselves a bride. She just looked like, you know, well, 
should be so much fun after a long hard shift in the tunnels, pulling brown chunks of, you know, lignite coal out of the mountain. She was the most expensive thing in the middle range, but with a year to save between the four of us and adding in what our dead teammates had managed to squirrel away, uh, we'd have enough to order one to specifications in exactly 11 months. Took some work, mind, but we talked about feeling walls with round. The bride could be programmed to do all the tasks you wanted on Android 4, so everyone could get what they wanted. She'd be a housekeeper for us, give her someone else to talk to, who would adapt to a steady stream of input. And for those of us who wanted physical comforts, you know, her body would be warm and willing with bioshell skin and all the, uh, oh dear, all the right holes, miss, made for even the roughest of lovemaking. Me and Pal even came up with a rotor between us for that sort of need and a way to get some privacy. Hatfield and Woolsworth, well, they didn't give a damn. They were together like Oryx and Ewan. Only they hadn't made an official document yet, and there was nothing tying their bunks together, even if the two beds were pushed up flush more often than not. As long as they got their hot coffee synths and decent meals out with the laundry and a friendly voice that wasn't the crewmates, neither of them cared what we got up to with the bot. The four of us shook on it over the breakfast table that morning, our heads aching with a mule hangover, and our eyes still red from silent tears shed in the dark where no one could see. Loneliness can make you weak and make you willing to compromise on everything. <laughs> Pay packets come out at the fifth of every Earth calendar month. We managed to not talk about the plan during the rest of the cycle, but we pinned up the catalogue page in the wall and, well, every evening saw one of us pondering the images on that torn plastic with its posing female android in a frothy white wedding dress. Come every payday, we had a miniature pasty and toasted our bride-to-be, the bot we were designing in our heads, see. And once a month on payday with each other... <sighs> payday... The jars of meal went round, and so did the powders and the smoke, and the ideas, all the ideas. Hmm. It always began something like, uh, yeah. I know what, she should have dark eyes like Audrey Hepburn. Movies are about all the commonality you can count on when it comes to living in a bunkhouse like this. Everyone's got different tastes in music, but most folks can agree on a classic movie or two. I've seen Breakfast at Tiffany's, what, 40 times? Woolsworth said our bride should look like Audrey and talk like Kate. <laughs> Both the Hepburns. We would discuss the idea and throw in other suggestions and argue it out whatever we ordered, and there was a big list of things we could get specialised for no extra cost, was what we were stuck with. So we had a lot of planning to do, see? Coming in, you know, coming to a consensus. We must have watched half a dozen of those old movies trying to decide if Woolsworth was right about Audrey. Yeah. There's a moment when Pal and I thought we'd have a fight on our hands. Hatfield cracked a joke that we ought to reconsider and go for the boyfriend model and make it look and sound like Harry Grant. At the time, it didn't come out sounding like a joke, and loneliness raised its ugly head. Dealt with the idea of a boyfriend android when that would be nothing to fix my problem or Pell's. 
apologised for hitting Hatfield, but the thought still niggled. <sighs> More tea, yes. Oh, uh, no, sir, I don't know where Pal is. I haven't seen him for a year now. This is my second Transneptunian contract. Uh, my first was an apprenticeship at the plant over in the next biodome, uh, Bishop's Branch, where the lignite, you know, is turned into liquid and gas product and transported off-world to the shipping station. I didn't last long there, I'll admit. I had some kind of reaction to the chemicals used in the process and was given a release to find another contract. I figured, since I was already here, the mines would be a good idea. Ah! This, it's my first experience on another planet. Yeah. Uh, before this place, I was on Earth, or in cryo, on my way to this rock. What I didn't figure on was how the sky would reinforce the loneliness, you know? It can't be seen through the biodome for all the soot and grime. The cleaners can only do so much. But I've seen that endless dark thing hanging beyond the safety of our bubble. When you lay here at night, breathing each other's stink, and with every creaking spin, your mind goes over it. Beyond the flexiglass, the atmosphere is, well, unbreathable. There's no bright, warm sun, just a large star and a little bunch of stars and unending cold. Out here, we're nothing and no bigger than atoms. Take your pleasure where you can, eh, mate? <laughs> I'm betting it was Pal who did the deed. I guess he'd been thinking about it for a while. I, I mean, I still haven't quite figured out why the bosses haven't asked any questions. I mean, four men from the same bunkhouse dying less than a year apart, two by two. If it was me in charge, I'd ask about the accidents that killed them, you know? I mean, the second one, yeah, he was just like the first, and if we're being honest, that first one was more than a little shady. Uh, maybe we really are no more important than the shovels, huh? Uh, no, seriously, more tea, mate. Uh, yeah, really, you should have some. If you say yes, she stops for a while, you know? You can watch this light, little red light, uh, blink behind the torn skin on her head. Look right there. When you say yes to tea, the light goes away for at least three hours. It's Darjeeling on the package, but, well, anyone's guess what's inside. She fell, mate, all right? I promise you, she fell. It was an accident. Two months after Woolsworth and Atfield had gone, we were ready. With their stake added to Ewan's and Yorick's, and then added to ours, we had enough at last. After supper, we sat down with a jar of meal. We were being conservative. The money was needed elsewhere now. And pulled out the spank books. Between us, six men had saved enough money to buy a bride from the company store catalogue and pay the shipping fees. On his side of the pad, Pal wrote notes on what we wanted. We were going to share an android woman and she would be wife to us both. Uh, nothing wrong with that. We decided she'd have to look like Glenda Farrell. You know, from that old video movie called... Called... Oh... Do you know what I don't remember? <laughs> what a mouth, eh? We looks like hers and that acerbic voice asking you if you want another homebrew. <laughs> Give them an art eight, that would. Yeah. It was something he said about how we should split up conjugal visit times that made me realise he might have something to do with those accidents. He obviously thought he loved her. 
that, you know, she was just a real person. He'd been writing letters to a mail-order wife. He said it was better this way, just the two of us, even if the workload got no easier and the bosses were talking about sending in four replacements to fill up the bunks. But he said that it'd be nothing to handle them. There'd be no further sharing out of the bride, you know? I went to the company store the next morning before my shift at work. Old man Mackey said he'd never seen as much money lying on the till in all his living days. He agreed that Glenda Farrell was a good template for the bride model. I went to work with a song in my heart. I didn't even mind the boss asking me all those questions about where Pal might have run off to. Because, you know, Pal up and disappeared with all his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A year ain't that long to wait, trust me. Old man Mackie sent me a word when she came in from the station above. We stood together in front of her crate, and I could tell he was just as excited as me, bless him. You know, how is it possible that this was just a week ago? He did me the honours of taking the pry bar to that big new plastic box, as I was the first person she saw when she opened her eyes. That's important to the bride, you see. It's imprinting, it's called. All the interpersonal relationship androids have, it's part of what makes them so expensive. Well, that and the buyer shell. I know she didn't look like Glenda Farrell, that's what I've been trying to tell you. This ain't the bot I ordered, yeah? Apparently this model's called the Vicar's Wife. Actually, not half bad in the sack, makes a fantastic roast with jacket potatoes and can play both bridge and the piano. She does her accounts now, since Pal took off and left me here on my own. There's a little hitch, though, with uh, the off switch. But we're overcoming that problem, aren't we, darling? There was a note in the crate with her, and that said I had, you know, I had the apologies of the manufacturer. <laughs> apologies mean nothing to an atom. It doesn't fix the fact that they shipped me the wrong android. The bride is no longer offered through the catalogue, which was at least a decade old. There is no published date on the thing, so how are we to ever know? The manufacturers chose to send me something very close to the same price and models so I wouldn't have to wait on another order. They even credited my funds account for the difference. Well, Pell's funds account, really, but, you know, what's the difference between two best friends? He left it all to me, of course. <laughs> uh, more tea, officer? <laughs>